0: Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life.
1: How many of you have ever seen the whole movie, It's a Wonderful Life? Can I see your hand? Okay, that's a lot of you. Okay, let's try the other. If you've never seen It's a Wonderful Life, let me see your hand. So basically, if you're under 40, you have no idea what I'm talking about. So, um, this movie was created in 1946. No, I was not alive then. And, um, but. I waited till this year to watch the whole thing. We picked this movie based on the stuff I had seen, you know, clips and whatnot uh, about the movie. But I have seen this movie enough now to where I'm telling you, this is a great movie, something you ought to watch every, every, every year. I know every family has those, th- those movies that you see. Um, we have some too, but I, I'm, there's no way I'm telling you what they are because I really love what I do. And so I, some dude asked me at 9.30, he said, how come Die Hard's not on that list? I said, come on, you're killing me, man. Die Hard's not a Christmas movie. And he said, oh, yeah. we're unique what can I tell you but but today it's a wonderful life if you're not familiar with the story um, it starts off with this concept this guy with the name of George Bailey George young guy graduates from high school cannot wait to travel the world wants to get an education and wants to make a big splash in life he only has one problem the one problem is George is a great guy the only problem is George has a heart that wants to help other people and so having this soft heart Causes him every time he's about to escape and go escape and go do what he wants to do Then there's a need that someone has and he winds up using the assets that God's given him to help somebody else And so George is in this season where it talks a little bit like we try to do every year around here How do we give how do we give more of ourselves away? How do we do that? How do we grab the concept that Christmas is a season where we give ourselves away I mean, oftentimes we, we get excited. We're like, when you're young, Christmas is about the stuff you get. As you grow older, then Christmas is about the stuff you have to pay for. And then as you grow a little older, Christmas is about, I can't wait to be with family and take it down a notch. Isn't that funny how that works out? Like now that we have grandbabies in our house, it's like Christmas takes on a whole new level again, right? And I actually get to buy boy toys now because I have grandsons. You know, after six daughters, I actually get, get to buy trucks and stuff. This is awesome. Right? And it's my intent to teach them how to spit and scratch and do everything that no parent wants their boy to learn. I'm teaching them all that stuff for Christmas. It's gonna be awesome. And so, uh, and not in the house. I mean, we'll, scratch, we'll spit outside, but you know. Uh, but it's all about giving. Here's what, here's what I love about Christmas, and I really do. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a kid when it comes to Christmas. And yet, at the same time, if, aren't you like me where you get overwhelmed by Christmas? I mean, oh, my stars, everybody and his brother thinks that we want to get together and have a good time. If you're an introvert, it's like, no, this is just like death on a stick. I mean, you got to be nice all the time, you got to go to parties, you got to be inside people's house, you got to talk about things that matter. I mean, it's just exhausting. And then the expectations of what you're supposed to buy for all the right people and making sure that it's even across the scale, it's just, it's unbelievable. I told Jen, we were talking the other, night, I think I have something every night between now and the 23rd. It's like just nonstop, you know? And. And it it can be pretty overwhelming until you see Christmas for what it is, and it's a time that we give our life away. I mean, think about this. Even in everything we know about the character of God, we know God is a, a giver, not a taker. One of the things I love so much about this faith system of walking with Jesus, is the understanding that there's nothing I can do, he's done it all for me, and all I have to do is receive the gift of life that he's given me. Now, put that in perspective, here we are in our world, and I think we'd all agree this is a messed up world. We've got some messed up things going on around around us. And and as you look at that, God looks upon his creation, me and you, our community, our, our, our world, and his heart must be broken And yet, even though that we have broken God's heart because we're just so far from perfect, that all of a sudden God says, but I love these people, no matter how weird they are, no matter how much they have totally messed up, I love these people so much. And so he sends a part of him in the presence of Jesus to be born into this little nasty stable where cattle are eating. And so literally Jesus as a part of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, the Son, Leaves the beauty and the majesty of heaven, wraps himself into human skin, and enters into our world. That's where we get the word Messiah. Before we get the word Messiah from, he's come for us, right? But we also get this fact that he's come to redeem our heart. We know that Emmanuel, God with us, has come, and he put on human skin. And but think about how that happened. Jesus born into a family of poverty. I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no king, no queen, no palace. I mean, he's, he's in a place where they're feeding cattle, where, where the smell of, of the cattle and the dung in that place had to have been overwhelming. That's, that's, that's the place God came to. Think of the scandal wrapped around his birth and his, his mom, Mary, and everybody in the city thinking, but she's not even married yet. How dare her? What is she doing? Stoner. Imagine jo- Joseph, what he went through, all the snickers and the sneers about him. Oh my stars, listen, Jesus was even born where he was hunted by an oppressive government as a child, as a baby. I mean, there were outcasts and foreigners that came to visit him, and yet he was hunted down and and they had to leave and flee to Egypt. This was not an easy thing to do, but it is all based on two pieces of scripture. One of them that we see in the end zone with a guy with the rainbow fro every now and then. John three 16, let's say God so loved the world that he did what? Say it with me, he gave. Say it one more time, he gave. What did he give us? He gave us his own son. He took that which mattered so much to him that cost Jesus dearly. And then when you look at John 1:14, the scripture says, and the word. Now we know that, that when we're talking about the word, we're talking about Jesus. You could literally read this passage this way. And Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Now, you know, you might be tempted to say, well, why why would he do that? Why why would he come hang out in, in a stall? Why would he come hang out with us? Because you see, he wanted to experience everything you would experience so that he could overcome every experience in a sinless way. And in doing so could offer life and forgiveness for every way we messed up. It's God's gift. All the carols, all the trees, I mean, all of the parties, all the things that we sing, all the places we go, all the gifts that we'll wrap, all of them happen because of Jesus. And in this movie, we we begin to see this concept that God the Father didn't write a check or fill in a box or place gifts with matching paper under the tree. He was giving us this invitation to an intimate relationship with our own creator. Think about that. Jesus came with an invitation at Christmas to invite you to be in a personal relationship with God himself. Paul writes this to a church in Philippi before we get to the movie. We know it as the book of Philippians. In chapter two, beginning of verse five, the scripture says, in your relationships with one another, just each other here, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. We're to have the same mindset of Jesus, who being in very nature God, God, Jesus, you got it? God the Father, God the Son, this is, this, is, this is not a man. This is all God and all man that came. And we see this being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Everything we know about Christmas comes down to giving. So when I saw this movie, I thought I, I looked at Jenny and I said, okay, this is one of the greatest movies How did I miss this? George Bailey, this young guy who wants to travel the world and wants to get an education And all of a sudden everything comes off the rails Now in the early part of the 20th century, I mean, this, this movie made in 1946 about Christmas in 1945 These are people who had lived through the Great Depression I mean, we think we had the Great Depression in 2008, but I mean, at that point there was no bailout I mean, everything fell apart. And so when there's a run on the bank in 1945 in New Bedford Falls, there in the story, George is a part of this place called the Building and Loan. And it's, it's a little tiny country little bank that is selling and, and setting mortgages for people to, to buy four and $5,000 homes. And you're thinking, well, what man, where could I live for four or $5,000? Well, if you put it in today's time, you couldn't buy anything in Gwinnett County for it. And and when he offered those mortgages, he made it, it was was designed to help people. George was giving his life away. And then there comes a run on the bank. And it happens on the same day that George is getting married to the love of his life. And they're about to leave and go on their vacation. And they recognize everybody's making a run on the bank. And if if you haven't been around when, when the market has crashed, I mean, literally people are panicked and scared to death because they're trying to figure out, I need to get my money before the bank has lost it. And so they show up at the building and loan, and they're all demanding their money. Now, he could have done like the other bank in town that a fellow by the name of Mr. Potter had. He could have been stingy and greedy, but he didn't. He and his wife took the money they had saved to go on on their honeymoon, and they wound up giving it all to people so they could have what they needed. And so all of this begins to happen. But then Christmas Eve comes. And George's dad, and his Uncle Billy had started this business, and Uncle Billy, when you see him in the clip later on today, it's, he's a little bit like a crazy professor kind of dude. He has an $8,000 deposit, and he takes it to Mr. Potter's bank, and he sets it down, and he, he leaves it. And guess who picks it up? Mr. Potter. And he puts it in his coat. And, and so now Uncle Billy has lost the money, and the bank examiners are coming, and, and all of a sudden, George is at the end of his rope. He doesn't know what to do. I don't know, I don't know what to do with my life. Because everybody, everybody thinks that George has made this horrible mistake. And so he takes one for the team, and he's trying to figure out what to do. Just watch this clip. You'll get an idea of that.
0: I need help. Through some sort of an accident, my company shortened their accounts. The bank examiner got there today. I've got to raise $8,000 immediately. Oh, that's what the reporters wanted to talk to you about. The reporters? Yes, they
2: called me up to, from your building and loan. Oh, there's a man
0: over there from the DA's office, too, who's looking for you. Please help me, Mr. Potter. Help me, won't you Please. Can't you see what it means to my family? I'll pay any sort of a bonus on the loan, any interest. If you still want the building and loan, I'm...
2: George, could it possibly be there's a slight discrepancy in the books?
0: No, sir, there's nothing wrong with the books. I've just misplaced $8,000. I can't find it anywhere.
2: You misplaced $8,000? Yes, sir.
0: Have
2: you notified the
0: police? No, sir, I I didn't want the publicity. Harry's homecoming tomorrow?
2: (laughs) You ain't gonna believe that one. (laughs) What have you been doing, George? Um, Playing the market with the company's money? No, sir, no, sir, I haven't. Oh, is it a woman then? Uh, You know, it's all over town that you've been giving money to Violet Bick. What? (laughs) Not that it makes any difference to me, but
0: why do you come to me? Why don't
2: you go to Sam Wainwright and ask him for the money? I can't
0: get a hold of him, he's in Europe. What about all your other friends? Well, they don't have that kind of money, Mr. Potter, you know that, you're the only one in town that can help me. I've suddenly
2: become quite important. <laughs> well, what kind of security would I have, George? Have you got any stocks? No, sir. Bond? Real estate?
0: Collateral of any kind? Well, I have some life insurance. $15,000 policy. Yes. Uh, how much is your equity in it?
2: $500. $500. And you asked me to lend you $8,000. Look at you. You used to be so cocky, you were going to go out and conquer the world. You once called me a warped, frustrated old man. What are you but a warped, frustrated young man? miserable little clerk crawling in here on your hands and knees and begging for help. No securities, no stocks, no bonds, nothing but a miserable little $500 equity and a life insurance policy. <laughs> You're worth more dead than alive. Why don't you go to the riffraff you love so much and ask them to let you have 8,000? You know why? Well, because they'd run you out of town on a rail. But I tell you what I'm going to do for you, George. Since the, uh, state examiner is still here, As a stockholder of the Building and Loan, I'm going to swear out a warrant for your arrest. Misappropriation of funds, manipulation, malfeasance. All right, George, go ahead. Go. You can't hide in a little town like this. Hey, Bill, this is Potter.
0: I got
2: everything
0: they love you your body, all not a- you're
1: up there,
0: and you can hear me. Show me the way. I'm at the end of my rope, right? Show me the way,
1: oh, God. Isn't it just like us? I mean, you get to the end of the rope, you don't know where to turn, and all of a sudden you go to the wrong place thinking that's where you need help, and yet he winds up over a drink in a bar saying, God, I'm not much of a praying man, but show me the way. Isn't that, it's our story, isn't it? And there he is in that minute, just show me the way. And here's one of the most beautiful promises that, that I could ever convey to you. And that is this, that God promises to be faithful and just that when we call on him to, or ask him to show us the way, he will, he's not playing hide and seek from us. God is waiting for us to come to him. And I noticed though, George didn't go get all of his act together and then come to God. He came to God in the, in the middle of his junk and said, I'm, I've just got this biggest mess. God, show me the way. I mean, for some of us going into this season, what we need to be willing to do is just show me the way. You know, Mr. Potter had a chance to be a hero. He had the chance to be the nice guy. He had the guy that could do something that was gracious and kind, but he is a picture of what Jeremiah seventeen nine says about our heart. The scriptures say that our heart on its own is deceitful, it's wicked, and it's incurable. I mean, Jeremiah back in, in the Old Testament is saying each of us within our heart we have great capacity to offer evil and wickedness. I think the thing that, that I have learned most in my 57 years is this one thing. The one thing that I offer to this world is Jesus. Now, I could do a few humanitarian things on my own here or there, but I mean, the only thing that I really can offer this world that makes a difference is, is the presence and the power of Jesus and, and what is, he has been doing in my heart, what he's been doing in our church, what he's been doing in our lives. You see... The redeemed heart is because of Jesus. But there Potter was, he had the chance to be a part of redemption story, but what did he do? He became bitter and and he became jaded. And before you know it, he just became mean and just an angry man. You know what I, I know about that? He showed us what was in his heart. The Bible makes a big deal of saying that We are going to reveal what is genuinely in our heart at our worst moments. We're going to do that. In Luke chapter six, verse 45, the scripture says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Fortunately, George in this story begins to know that he has to go to the one that can give us a new heart. He has to ask, show me the way from the one place that can give him a redeemed new heart. You see, for some of us, we're living like Mr. Potter and they're hanging on to everything to claim it as our own, feeling like we are the part of redemption when at the end of the day, what the scriptures are telling us and and what George comes to this understanding is, wait a minute, I need help in this. Jesus, I need you, I can't do this on my own. And so George, as the story goes on, decides he's gonna hear what Mr. Potter had to say. And rather than giving God time to work in his plan, he decides, well, I'm just gonna go on. I'm gonna jump off this bridge and end it. I'm worth more dead than I am alive. And at this point, we get to meet the angel by the name of Clarence. Clarence doesn't have his wings yet. He's like a junior angel. He's like a, I don't know, He's one of those guys that, you know when you go to the doctor and uh, they got like the intern there and they have to ask you all the questions 400 times and check all the stuff that you know, nothing's wrong, but they have to do it, you know what I'm talking about? That's Clarence. He's like a part-time angel guy. Do you remember what the little girl says at the end of the movie? Every time a bell rings. Okay, they don't say it like that. I heard men saying, angel get his wings. No, you gotta, you gotta talk like that voice. We're gonna give you a shot at that later, guys. Just clear your throat, get ready. AJ, I'm counting on you, buddy. So George decides, I'm gonna jump off this bridge. I'm gonna end it, I'm done. And there Clarence is, and so Clarence jumps in ahead of George. Why does he jump in ahead? Because he thinks if he jumps in ahead, then George will find purpose in his life to try to save Clarence. So sure enough, Clarence jumps off the bridge ahead. Now he can swim, he's an angel for goodness sake, But George doesn't know that. So George jumps in thinking he's got to save him. Just watch the clip.
0: I didn't have time to get some stylish underwear. Wife, give me this on my last birthday. <laughs> I passed away in it. Oh, Tom Sawyer's drying out, too. You should read the new book, Mark Twing's writing now. How did you happen to fall in? I didn't fall in. I jumped in to save George. You what? You're, to save me? Well, I did, didn't I? You didn't go through with it, did you? Go through with what? Suicide. Oh, it's against the law to commit suicide around here. Yeah, it's against the law where I come from, too. Oh, where do you come from? Heaven? I had to away, quickly. That's why I jumped in. I knew if I were drowning, you'd try to save me. You see, you did. And that's how I saved you. Uh, uh, very funny. Your lips bleeding, George. Yeah, I got a bust in the jaw in answer to a prayer a little bit ago. Oh no no no, George! I'm the answer to your prayer. That's why I was sent down here. How'd you know my name? Oh, I know all about you. I've watched you grow up from a little boy. What are you a mind reader or something? <laughs> well, who are you then? Clarence Oddbody, A S two. Oddbody. AS2, what, what's that AS2? Angel, second class.
1: So George, he's in a mess, right? I, he's going to end it, but Clarence jumps in ahead of him. Listen, you don't have to be a preacher to see this one, right? Jesus comes ahead of you to jump in the water that you might be saved and to give you purpose in this, in this life. What Clarence is about to do is show George what New Bedford Falls would be like without George in this whole life. I want to give you such good news this morning. Everything you've experienced, good or bad, God wants to use for his glory and you're good. And all you've got to do is trust him with that. Clarence is jumping in as an answer to a prayer. And what is George still doing? Well, I need to explain this one away, but that doesn't make any sense. But how could that be? And there we are. But we don't offer anything. I, I, nobody's going to miss me if I'm gone. Nobody's gonna know that that, that I've gone away. And yet when I think of the selfless acts that you folks do week after week after week, this city would be in a mess without you. Our our community would be in a mess without you. All the the good things you've done and all the bad things you've done, God's using it in such a way that he's gonna turn that for your good and his glory. But that's why he jumped in ahead of us. Jesus did not come to keep you out of a problem He came to get into a problem with you and walk you out. This is the great thing about our faith system, that Jesus didn't come so that you wouldn't have any setbacks. He came that when you were set back, he would be waiting on you to carry you forward because there's always something we can give. There's always something that we can give back. There's always something we can do. The the fact that the creator of the universe put our skin on and came to this place of brokenness, of wretchedness, of God came to shape even the very entry into his world into something that we could all relate to. You see, George's real trouble was that he had lost perspective and was allowing one crisis in his life to wipe everything else out. Maybe you've made a colossal mess of your life, I gotta tell you, I don't know anybody that has failed more than I have failed. I've failed as a parent. I've failed as a husband. I have failed as a pastor. I have failed as a business owner. I have failed in every way you can imagine. I have earned a PhD three times in failure. And God has a way of taking every one of those and saying, I'm gonna use it for your good and my glory. When we just come to him and say, show me the way. I love this text in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. The scripture says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Leave that up, guys. For we, us, me and you, we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. You see, this is why Jesus left the glory of heaven and came to the filth of our earth so he could put our skin on, so that he could be chased and eventually be murdered and raised from the dead so that he could empathize with us. We, we don't need somebody between us and God other than Jesus who is God. We, we don't need a priest. We don't need a high priest because the text goes on and says, but we, we have one. We have one what? We have one God who's been tempted in every way just as we are, but he didn't sin. So that's, that's the way. He is the way. Wait a minute. Doesn't he say that? Jesus says that I am the way. What else? I I am the truth. What else? I, I am life. He goes on to say that I'm the light of the world. Jesus has come. And you know what happened? Mr. Potter just looked down his nose and he didn't have anything good in his heart, he didn't have anything to offer this world. And at that point, he tried to convince George that he offered nothing to this world. You're better off. You're, you're, your family's going to be better, $500 wealthier when you're gone. You're not worth anything. Some of you looked in the mirror this morning and you thought, you know, Angie, I'm, I'm a mess. And God said, yeah, but you're my mess. If you'll ask me to show you the way, then we're, we're going to use that mess for my glory and your good. And God answers George's prayer. Clarence shows up and he shows George all around the town. This is what life would be like, George, if you, if you hadn't lived. Had you gone ahead and I'd let you kill yourself. Look at life, the way this whole town would have been without you. His brother would have died on that, that pond that he saved him out in a skating accident. Those folks wouldn't have had those homes. The movie goes on and kind of shows this picture that New Bedford Falls, a life without George, had become just Sin City. And about the time George begins to realize, wait a minute, there is purpose and rhyme and reason, and what this world offers and troubles is nothing compared to the power of the creator who can show you the way. What did Potter say? Those rabble, that riffraff that you've helped, they're going to run you out of town, but they didn't. Because, you see, they, they all had something to give. They all had something to give. Watch this last clip.
0: You need cash. Stop. My office instructed to advance you up to $25,000. Stop. <gasps> Hee haw and Merry Christmas, Sam
1: Wainwright. <laughs>
2: Oh, (laughs)
0: Harry, how about your bad in New York? Oh, I left right in the middle of it, as soon as I got Mary's telegram. Good idea, Ernie, a toast!
2: (laughs) To my big brother George, the richest man in town.
0: present
2: from a very dear friend of mine. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right.
0: That's
1: right. Attaboy, Clarence. You see, when a family of faith comes together, there's always something we can give. And you say, well, Chuck, I don't have any money. You know, sometimes it's not money. Sometimes it's learning to give of yourself. I believe there's three ways that the Lord would have us give of ourselves this Christmas. Number one is to give from a heart. Fill your heart with Jesus, and I promise you, you're going to want to give him away. Fill your heart with those things that are good. And may we never grow weary of trying to follow in Christ's example. Give of your heart. Number two, listen, most of you own a home. Open your home. Open your home that you, that you might be able to give of your home, and open up your story. Tell people of your story. When we give from our heart, when we give our home and when we give our story, then there's always somebody has got a story. And you say, well, Chuck, I don't really have a story. Oh, yeah, you do. Every time I meet one of you guys for coffee, you come in the office, we have breakfast or lunch. I hear your story, and it's just an amazing story. All of you just have an amazing story. If you're saying, well, I don't have anything to give. Yeah, you do. You can give out of your heart. You can give from your home, and you can give your story. The reason George Bailey's friends were so quick to help him was that they knew his story. I wonder if people knew our story, would they see us following Jesus and then wanna follow us? I wonder if they'd see us give and wanna give more. I wonder if they'd see us treat people with with great tenderness and joy. You see, as we follow Jesus, others can follow us. First Peter chapter two, verse 21 says it so beautifully, he says, to this you were called. Now, you might be saying, okay, Chuck, that sounds like to preachers. No, to you, you, to you, this is, you were called to this. Well, what was I called to, Chuck? Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Listen, you wanna know how to have the greatest Christmas ever? Follow in the steps of Jesus. Give of your heart, give of your home, and give your story. It's a wonderful life. It really, really is. So I urge you today. Don't hang on to everything that's annoying you and driving you crazy. As a matter of fact, I, I saw where Leanne had built these steps and I, I asked her the other day, I said, you know, in the movie, George grabs that banister every time and when he grabs it, it's broken off. And he just drives him bat crazy. Maybe what we all need to do is set down all those things that just drive us nuts in this season and have a willingness to say, show me the way. And then answer the call of God and live in faith with his family. Let's pray. Lord, today we've, we've got folks from all over, we've got folks from around the country, we've got folks watching online, we've got a lot of folks in this room that would say, I, Chuck, I need, I, need to have, I need to have that presence of Christ in my life. I need to know that my life counts. And you see, the only way our life counts is when our life is in the hand of Christ because his life redeemed us, our heart. So maybe today, your prayer is something like this. Jesus, please forgive me. Come into my life and clean me up. Make me new. Redeem my heart. I want to accept your dying for me and raising from the dead for me as payment for my sin. I want to live for you. Stop living for me. Maybe that's your prayer today, and if so, just say, Jesus, count me in on that. That, That's what I mean. That's what I want. Father, thank you for the time we have to recognize that your son put on our skin and came to our filth so that he might die and raise from the dead to create a home for us in heaven as we believe. Lord, thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.